Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of a Win is a Win podcast. I'm your host, Edgar Shepard. Lights out, and away we go, and Max Verstappen gets the better start from Fernando Alonso, and Lewis Hamilton away quickly, too. And Hamilton already level with Carlos Sainz, but Sainz has the inside line. Alonso stays in second place, then Sainz, then comes Hamilton, Magnussen around the outside of him, Mick Schumacher under pressure already from Esteban Ocon in the other, Alpine, George Russell just behind those two. Into the first chicane we go, and Hamilton wheel to wheel there with Kevin Magnussen just getting ahead outside of the... This past weekend was the Canadian... Grand Prix, Formula One, F1 for short. I happen to live in Montreal, so I I live in a city where this major sporting event takes place. Once per year, it is traditionally in early to mid-June this past, or this year. It took place over the weekend of uh, Friday, June 17th, and the race itself was on Sunday, June 19th. The year of our Lord, 2022. Um, naturally, given the pandemic in 2020, and although the pandemic wasn't quite as intense in 2021, uh, governing bodies erred on the side of caution and decided to not have the Canadian Grand Prix that year either. So for all intents and purposes, this was the first time in three years uh, that the city hosted the Canadian Grand Prix, which is significant. I think a lot of people missed it. Uh, I think a lot of people got excited. And of course, there are the dreams of the the tourism and the economic benefits that such an event brings. In theory, uh, lo and behold, this morning, I was having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine. We trained together and... Um, we were talking about the upcoming weekend. I think we saw each other on Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. And we were talking about the upcoming weekend, how it was nice that the Formula One uh, was back. Uh, we briefly touched upon how important it is economically for the city of Montreal. And lo and behold, as I woke up this morning, I sort of got myself thinking about that. You know, what kind of tourism business does it bring in? Uh, how much money is put in? to setting up an event of this stature, of this largesse. It's quite significant. F1 is is a big moneymaker globally. The race is held all over the world. And so I did a very simple Google search, and I landed on an article uh, published in... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a French-language local newspaper, the Journal de Montréal. Uh, journalist Sylvain Larocque... And the article was published in the middle of last week on Wednesday the 15th. So it was published in the lead-up to Grand Prix weekend. And interestingly enough, it cites a few studies and quotes a few uh, university-level economists uh, that there is more public money that goes into the preparation of the Grand Prix than there are economic Benefits. In fact, Tourism Montreal and the Grand Prix itself, or rather the promoter of the Grand Prix in Canada, Bell Canada, which is a major telecommunications company uh, nationwide here, uh, they published a study, their own study, in 2019, uh, which stipulated that uh, well, up to $63 million of economic benefits uh, came about uh, the, the most recent 
Grand Prix. I believe by the time the study came out, the 2019 uh, Grand Prix had just happened. And while that sounds nice, $63 million, especially for a city like Montreal, which is sort of always on the cusp of glory, but never quite quite gets there. Uh, we don't we don't live in a uh, especially uh, rich province, unfortunately. There they have the have provinces in Canada, and there are the the have not provinces in, in in Canada. Unfortunately, Quebec is considered to be economically, anyways, it's considered to be one of the among the have not provinces. Um, that's neither here nor there, or rather, no, it is here and everywhere because it goes to show you, uh, or rather, it's an eye opener as to the money that goes in and the money that comes out. Uh, It looks like the 2019 edition actually was among the editions that uh, generated more money, uh, 8.1 million uh, vis-a-vis... That's funny enough, the article doesn't exactly say how much it was in 2015. It's making a comparison between 2015... um, Oh no, rather in 2015 it was 8.1 million and in 2019 uh, it was 16 million. Uh, So again, it's at least some money is coming back, but the reality is that since 2017, uh, (laughs) 170 million of uh, taxpayers' money has been invested into <laughs> into making F1, the Canadian Grand Prix, uh, a, a reality. Uh, that money comes largely from the city of Montreal and its tourism body called Tourisme Montréal, Tourism Montreal. So there's, there's a lot more money coming in uh, than, than coming back to the taxpayers, which was a bit of an eye-opener. You know, whenever big events like F1 comes to the city, and I won't speak to the other F1 events on the circuit, as it's called. Uh, You know, this show has been going on for almost two months, and it's the first time that we're talking about F1, and we haven't even talked about the race. It's because I don't really watch it very much. I'm not opposed to it. Maybe, maybe one of these days... I'll get into it, uh, but but it's it's not at the top of my list. I'm much more of a of, of an American football, international football, and, and 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 basketball kind of a guy. God, I even watch more hockey than I do F1, and I don't watch nearly as much hockey these days as I used to do as a child and, and as a teenager. But I still watch a little bit, anyways. So it was a bit of an eye opener, and the article again, this Journal de Montréal article published on June. 15th, so about a week ago at the time of this recording, it actually quotes a 2020 Danish study uh, that was uh, obviously published in 2020 that evaluated the economic benefits, the investments and the economic benefits of all European-based F1 events between 1991 and 2017. Now, I I tried to dig a little bit further. I did find some links to the study, uh, but either you have to be part of an academic body in an academic institution, which I am not. I'm currently a student, but I'm not a a researcher. I'm not a professor or anything. So I couldn't access it through that way. 
and otherwise it was $47 US, which sort of made me go, you know what, I think I'll just stick to what the, <laughs> to what the Journal de Montréal is quoting, maybe I won't, maybe I don't need to spend 47 US dollars on this study, but from what I can tell via the Journal de Montréal article of the, the much like is the case with the Montreal F1 event, it would seem as though this 2020 Danish study has concluded, uh, based on all European F1 events between 1991 and 2017, that by and large, they are, it is a deficit event. Uh, more money is put in than money that comes back. Frankly, a bit of an eye-opener, uh, a, a bit of a a bit of a party pooper reality after a, a three-year wait for the next F1 event. The, 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 last, the last time Montreal had hosted one was in the summer of 2019, because obviously 2020 was the disastrous year for everyone. And like I was saying earlier, even though 2021 sort of kind of started to feel a bit more like uh, the, the regular regular life, uh, it wasn't quite, we didn't have an F1 race. So we waited three years for this thing to come back, and now we're learning that the, well, the reality is this thing costs a lot more money than, it, than, than how much we're making back. A um, little bit disappointing. Now, I'm not recording this this morning saying, well, in, in light of that information, there should no longer ever be an F1 uh, event in Montreal or anywhere in Canada or F1 events anywhere else. I mean, 1991 to 2017 for all European-based F1s. That's <laughs> that's a lot of events. That's a lot of money, and that is an extensive uh, sample size. That being said, uh, I was in town this weekend. Uh, I was in town uh, Sunday, which was the nicer of the two days. Uh, it was also the race day. Had my Nikon camera with me, digital camera. Shot some cars, crowds. It was a beautiful day. The people were excited. You know, F1 brings out a lot of different people. People wearing Ferrari gear, people wearing um, or a lot of Red Bull gear. I mean, those are two sort of the two big teams. I mean, I didn't, didn't notice any McLaren or Aston Martin <laughs> uh, gear being worn by people. Not not saying they weren't out there, but it was it was a lot of Ferrari and Red Bull. Uh, Peel Street had a lot of beautiful Porsches or Porsche uh, lined up. Some of them were quite vintage, very attractive cars. There was a Toyota Grand Prix or a, a Toyota racing car. Uh, it was not a Formula One vehicle. It was a, a racing vehicle of, a, of, a, of another variety. See how much I know about this stuff? Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Families, kids, boys, girls, the young, the old. I mean, a little bit of everybody showed up. Uh, so so it is a pleasant event. It's a very pleasant event. I love, I'm being very sincere here. I do truly love going downtown Montreal on Grand Prix weekend. And, you know, we just had ours. This is, this is Tuesday, a couple days after the race. I can't wait for next year. I'll admit it. I can't wait for next year. But there is a reality, uh, dare I say, a very important reality about what this kind of event means monetarily, fiscally. And 
hopefully maybe there's a, another way to to get to make an ep, uh, not an episode but <laughs> an event like this a reality because uh, it's a bit of a wet shower when you read something like that but it's important it's it's very important so i i thought i was compelled to discuss this a little bit but hey doesn't mean i'm not looking forward to f1 weekend in 2023 and so the house of commons the house committee about the hockey canada scandal again the alleged gang rape of a young woman in London, Ontario in the summer of 2019. I think in an earlier episode I said Hamilton. Turns out it was not in Hamilton. It was in London, Ontario. As uh, someone I know likes to say, the second best London in the world. Uh, The hearings have been going on for a few days at this point. Most recently, uh, Hockey Canada President Scott Smith and the outgoing Chief Executive Tom Rennie uh, have been brought forth to answer questions and the answers they've been providing us have been interesting interesting now they say that on the morning after the event uh, the step the victims again we don't know who the victims are and we don't know who the players involved were none of this has been disclosed hockey canada at the moment, Rennie and Smith, the two people who have been present representing Hockey Canada and answering questions at this hearing, say that through their third-party mandated investigators, uh, they weren't in, uh, they weren't a- able to impose sanctions. And, and I quote: "They advised us that would lack due process for them." It's not something we take lightly. Now, that was an answer when the committee asked why players weren't punished for, particip- for participating in the investigation. Again, I quote, they advised us that would lack due process for them. I- interesting. Interesting. I- I'm not a legal expert. I am certainly not going to start pretending that I am a legal expert. I'm not even going to act out the role of a legal expert because I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. All that being said, the fact that the, we still don't know who these players were, that, that we don't know who the victim was, fair enough. Uh, that person, whoever they are, uh, might simply not want to be in the public spotlight. A- and why would you, after suffering, again, allegedly, after suffering that kind of an ordeal, I respect that it probably would help the investigation a little bit, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to respect that. The fact that the players are still unknown, the fact that the third-party independent investigator suggested that the players don't have to participate in the investigation, the fact that the third-party <laughs> the third-party investigator said it's you probably shouldn't be able to impose sanctions, you being Hockey Canada, a lot of this is very, very weird. I'd like to know... How much of this is, not to say that it isn't accurate, because if Kenny and Smith are lying to the um, House of Commons committee, then then this is an unmitigated disaster, an absolute tire fighter. It's not a question of accuracy. It's a question of the validity of the process. 
Okay, so Hockey Canada uh, got in touch with the London, Ontario Police Department uh, a day or two later. Well, that, that's good. They hired uh, a third party to investigate. Again, that's good. So far, so good. At least they're doing something, or they did something, rather, since this is a few years ago. But some of these answers are very strange. Very, very strange. And it doesn't make anybody look good. We know that the NHL is currently uh, doing its own investigation. I mean, everybody's worried. And this is a very, very bad look for Hockey Canada. And the more answers that Kenny, uh, excuse me, Rennie and Smith provide, and these hearings are not done. We will let them uh, play out and see what comes of them. But the more answers we're given, the stranger this story is, and the more nebulous this story is. Uh, can you imagine if some of these players, former junior players, are now in the NHL? I mean, no wonder the NHL is worried about this. The National Hockey League wants to figure out what the heck is going on here. Uh, I know the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, wants to know what's going on as well. It's it's. This is a really, really bad look. And I, it's my understanding, having done a little bit of reading, that Hockey Canada, as well as the federal government, are installing some, uh, not institutions, but programs and additional bodies to at least minimize the chances of something like this happening again. Or if it does happen, there are better programs and tools as that can be used as resources so that the public can know what's going on uh, and to help the victims again it's good but this is uh this is a lesson for hockey canada and this is a lesson for a lot of sports bodies earlier uh, this summer we talked about gymnastics canada we talked about boxing canada now we're talking about hockey canada this is really this is really disgraceful. Uh, it's shameful. It really is shameful. Some of these MPs, most notably a conservative MP who is uh, uh, leading this uh, this hearing, I believe it's a collection of liberals. Uh, well, a little bit of everybody: liberals, conservative NDP, and I think there's a Bloc Québécois uh, person that's part of the hearing. Um, they're leading the charge, and they're really they're making these people representing Hockey Canada look like absolute buffoons. Can you blame them? Honestly, can you blame them? Anyways, we'll let this uh, we'll let this play out. Uh, I didn't want to comment on this in the last couple of episodes because if I, I feel like if I comment on this every single episode, well, this is just gonna devolve into some sort of a you know a scandal inspired podcast, which is not what I want this to be. Well, I'll I'll, I'll find some soccer and and maybe some NFL news. It's already worth. Tail, we're at the tail end of June at this point. You know, training camp is coming up pretty soon. Maybe I'll talk about the NFL in the next episode. There you have it. Another episode of a Win is a Win podcast in the books. I've been your host, Edgar Chaput. Uh, the show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. As for myself, I am on Facebook. It's just my name, Edgar Chaput. That's E-D-G-A-R space C-H-A-P as in Paul, U-T as in Thomas. I'm on Twitter at double O-Pop. Those are the words double underscore O-H underscore P-O-P. And Instagram at edchap14. Those are the letters E-D-C-H-P and the numbers one. Come on!
Transform. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.